It's hump day replay. Hump day replay. Yeah. Yeah. Get this in hump day replay. My favourite day of the week. <laughs> oh, oh, there we go. Right. Georgie, <laughs> boy. He's done it again. It's hump day replay, the show about the daily talk show where we look back at highlights from the week and chat about them with a guest. And today we've got actor, director, musician, boxer. Um, what else? I don't know. I'm a boxing enthusiast. I wouldn't identify as a boxer. <laughs> a gymnast. <laughs> a gymnast. I used to be. I, mean, I used yeah, to compete in gymnastics. That's true. Ooh. I'm not a gymnast uh, anymore, though. Oh, really? Ex-gymnast. Ex. Nah. Ex-gymnast. Well, ex-gymnast. Reese Mitchell, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> He's wearing his Gronk tee. Looking really good. Wow. How are you thanks. feeling? Feeling all right. Yeah. yeah, can't complain. You know, I'm not. I'm not the gymnast I once was, but I feel okay. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we're all still feeling a little bit tired. September two, David Blaine. <laughs> he, um, we had to stay up all night, two a.m. So we're still on the recovery. But was he? Did you watch that? Was he floating around in balloon with balloons? Yeah, yeah he was. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> it was okay. I mean, so Jesus. he, yeah. yeah, he grabbed a bunch of balloons, floated up, and uh, parachuted down. And it was live streamed across the world via YouTube. And I mean, Josh was just obsessed with it. <laughs> he basically lives like a 10 year old. Like what he a 10 year old would think that they would do when they're an adult. Yeah. You know, it's the kind of things you imagine as a child. Like I'm going to float up with balloons and parachute down. I think that was yeah. the whole idea. I think yeah. he saw the movie Up or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and then wanted to copy it, so he yeah he grabbed on a bunch of balloons, floated up. I mean, it was pretty good. He's probably <laughs> he's probably like in in cahoots with the devil, and that's why he can do this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> he made a deal. <laughs> We've got Jess and Grace here as well again. Thank you guys for for coming on again. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> what else have I got to do today? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. This is a highlight the of the week. <laughs> yes. That's the thing with that. Uh, with COVID, there's not much going on really. There's like, <laughs> if you, you you try and latch on to any bit of entertainment that you can, and mm-hmm. I think that's exactly what Josh did with the David Blaine stuff. He just went crazy this week. He roped Tommy into it, and then he even told Mason to use it as a talking point during an important meeting. <laughs> Which I am not over. I find that so fucking funny. <laughs> <laughs> Who gives advice? For um, small, talk. small talk. What the oh. hell? <laughs> <laughs> that is the definition of a micromanager. <laughs> yeah. David Blaine. David Blaine. Oh. David Blaine. He's like the Houdini on steroids, but Houdini probably has is a he on steroids. He probably is on steroids. On August 31, Ascension is happening. He's got a bunch of balloons and he's going to hold on to them and he's going to let it take him up into the sky. I haven't been this into magic for since I was... Ten. David yep. Blaine postpones helium balloon flight. The new date is September 2. So it's going to be a late one. You stay up? It, yeah, it's something to fucking do. Coming in a little tired this morning. Mm-hmm. You and I have both had about five hours sleep. The card tricker. He he did something pretty wacky. Like my arsehole was clenched. Mason had a big uh, business <laughs> meeting yesterday. I was very excited for him. Can you explain the advice I gave? He's like, mate, bring up the fact that we're all tired from watching David Blaine. I have a little panic at the start. I was like, man, small talk, what do I say, what do I say? I was like, man, we are so tired. The whole team, like, we stayed up watching David Blaine all night. You didn't even watch it. Is that right? No, I didn't. No, I didn't even watch <laughs> oh, it. Oh, you're an Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> So that was a little bit from the start as well. I had a bit of a panic, didn't know what to talk about, but yeah. <laughs> Tommy is such a poet. Wait, yeah. My asshole was clenched the whole time is what he, is his response. Real way with words. Oh, yeah. yeah. You can feel that though. You know what that feels like. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was like that. Like my feet were sweating when I was watching it. It was pretty, it was pretty crazy. But I mean, there's been other live streams that have been more crazy than that one, to be honest. Mm. Like really? I mean, what live streams have you seen? Felix, ba- <laughs> Felix Baumgartner. He oh, yes. jumped out of a, um, a bloody like, spaceship. <laughs> There's a, <laughs> little a, capsule. Oh, a little yeah. capsule. There's a little capsule that went up into like the atmosphere or whatever. Yeah. And it got to the point where it was almost, I think, edge of space sort of vibe. And then he just jumped and he was in free fall. I think he holds or he held the record for the longest free fall. That's and right. then 
And then an executive from Google actually did it two weeks later and beat his record by 15 meters. Oh, really? How annoying. <laughs> was that something to do with, was that something to do with Google? Like what, was that a publicity <laughs> thing? I'm serious. Why? I don't, I don't know. So Red Bull was a publicity thing, but I reckon this bloke was just like, you know, all cashed up from Google and just went and did it. Pretty outrageous. Have any of you jumped out of a plane? I have, I have. actually. No, have I want to. It, it's really good. <laughs> it actually <laughs> is. Isn't it? Yeah. Where, did, where did you do it, race? In uh, Queensland when I was like 16 or something. I did oh, 14,000 feet. I think that's like... Yeah. The, I did it tandem, obviously. Mm. Um, but I had a friend who... <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> yeah, I had a friend who trained to do it by himself and he got tangled in the air and oh, first no. ever jump and he untangled oh. himself in the air and survived oh my god Holy he's one of those people you know? yeah he did like a week's course and then jumped out of a plane a week well, it's funny how it's that. like when before you jump time. i, I love how i did four years for a comms degree and he had like <laughs> 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 he did a week for jumping out of a plane what the hell i know it's quite mad but the tandem one they just like cross your arms open them up you know, they'll count to three or whatever, mm-hmm. and then yeah. that's it, and then you go. When did it you was, do it, Maze? I did it. I did it straight after high school. So we went to New Zealand, and I did it in Wanaka, I think it was Lake mm-hmm. Wanaka, and so it was. I think it was the same as you reached, like fourteen thousand feet or whatever. Mm. And surprisingly, I wasn't like I thought I was going to be way more scared because I don't like heights. Yeah. And but it was more just like when when you come out of the plane it's more just like a floating sensation yeah. as Yeah. It's quite to like surreal. You don't fall. realize you're yeah. falling. And the free fall is only like 45 seconds, but it feels like 10 minutes of just yeah. seeing that it looks like you're just looking at a landscape or something like a that's painting. That's the thing because yeah, that's the same exactly the same. I was like I'm going to be scared of this because I'm scared of heights, but as soon as you're falling down, the earth isn't getting any closer. So like you can't, mm. there's no depth there. It doesn't actually feel like you're hitting the ground. Yeah. It's bizarre. Yeah. And then you're floating perfectly still because they've got like the stabilizer coming out of your back or whatever. And so you're just kind of like hovering. Yeah. I've never, like. I've never had such an, like an empty mind. You know, I, I imagine that's like what people who meditate regularly feel that mm. kind of like you cannot, you literally can't think of anything else. You're just True, yeah. so present because it's the most <laughs> overwhelming um experience the most overwhelming sensation and obviously your your adrenaline is pumping like crazy so you're oh, just bl- sure. just have the most clear and blank mind which is I mean, probably why people get addicted to it yeah, yeah <laughs> for sure i mean what i wouldn't try though bungee jumping i've done that i wouldn't recommend that that oh that's you've done scary it. as shit yeah, <laughs> that. that 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 the fear of falling like gb you can see the I ground know. coming like but, it's not good <laughs> i like it <laughs> It's also, I so imagine scary. it like wrenches your spine. Oh, yeah, that's the, okay. The tug, the tug's not bad. Is it gra- <laughs> just, is it gradual or is it like a sudden like? Nah, it, oh, it's it's a little bit gradual. The the scariest part though is just like when you waddle out to the edge because your legs are bound. <laughs> you've got no balance, so you're just like holding on oh. to shit. And you don't know if you're gonna like accidentally fall off. Mm. But then when you jump, like the ground just comes so quickly. Yeah. It's nothing like skydiving. I would pick skydiving any day yeah. over a bungee jump. I mean, I'm glad I got this shit out of my system when I was like 16, 17, 18. <laughs> you know, once you get a bit older, you start to realize like y- you're actually very vulnerable at all times. Mm. Like you can, <laughs> what's the point really? Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, sure, it's a big rush, but it feels so risky. Although I guess statistically it's not. You're probably more at risk driving a car I don't know. Yeah, I guess. But it's just like, I don't know if there's any point in taking those, like floating up with <laughs> balloons or whatever. Like I'm happy David yeah. Blaine's doing it, but like <laughs> fucking hell, that's pointless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what does it achieve? <laughs> yeah. But I then again, that- it's kind of cool. I mean, like yeah. everything is ultimately meaningless. You might as well yeah. float up and bungee, or like parachute. It makes more sense than like just <laughs> sitting in an office all day long, making True. someone rich. <laughs> <laughs> you know, although because I mean, so, he's he's earning a fortune, he's supporting mm. his family, floating around. So that's true. <laughs> he's, he's actually quite We're clever. Justifying it, <laughs> yeah. It's like he's managed to find a hole in the market. Like no one else is doing it. Yeah. I mean, everyone's talking about him. Mm, yeah, he might be a genius. Actually, I've gone mm. like full circle on this guy. I'm like, <laughs> he's in the dark arts. But now I'm like, actually, I don't know. I'm 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 like it's eccentric and like power to him it is we wacky, should stop yeah. trying to you know we need to encourage more eccentricity and like mm, you know more 
people more like that. It's 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 what make life what's make life what makes life fun. I can really <laughs> speak right now. Outside the box. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Mm. I mean, I'm yeah. sure you've come across a bunch of crazy people in LA. Like, oh yeah, is there? Oh Any my God, by like, the way, sorry. Can I just yeah, go, go back? Remember when I spoke about the bee thing? Oh, mate. Yeah. I sent the like, article kid, to the to the I guys. <laughs> the, the, the Uber driver was right. I know, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> profound. That. Have you, that was have crazy. you actually have, have you had any wacky sort of like business meetings, like auditions that you go to where you're just like, man, that... That person's like number one eccentric, but like what they're doing is outrageous. I think it's more that I've made a fool of myself, you know? Oh, really? Like, yeah, you know, I had an audition. I don't know if I t- mentioned this ever on the show, but I had to, it was a casting director who's quite influential and someone I've really wanted to be in the good books of. And at one point I was, and I went in and I did this scene and I had to sing like a Broadway song and have I spoken about this on the show? Like right before me, like a guy from Riverdale went on. No. He, a guy from Riverdale, like a real hunk type guy was in the room and I could hear him just the like- Aussie guy? No, American, oh, Canadian. Oh, and like, like piercing blue eyes, you know, like ripped, like all those Riverdale guys. Like the, <laughs> just a, a caveat, like the way Netflix imagines high school students is so insane. And like it's young crazy. people, like these yeah. bodybuilders, like <laughs> they look like Bondi street sharks. Anyway- <laughs> but I'm um, so I go into this like um, this audition. I have to sing this Broadway song, and I've just heard this Riverdale guy like nailing it, and it was just so um, unsettling because he was like just nailing oh. the song, like hitting it. Like he's obviously musical theater trained, which I am not surprisingly. Uh-huh. And then I went in and like just did the audition. I could see that it was going okay. And as soon as I sung the song, it was like I felt they couldn't get me out of the room quick enough because it was such a specific style of singing you know it was like Uh. full-on broadway (laughs) and it was so humiliating and just like the probably one of the one of the worst experiences i've had in an audition and also one time where i had to do a scene in spanish and i I had the flu (laughs) and i was just like (laughs) (laughs) i just like was and they said just go home and tape it yourself and it was just humiliating yeah, it's so bad because you burn a bridge so easily there, you know. Yeah. So in auditions, do they like, if you haven't made the role or even if you have potentially got the role, aren't they, do they just kick you out and they just be like, we'll call uh, you later? No, or do you no. get a, any vibe that you mm. might have done well? Mm, yeah, sometimes you do. I, everyone mm. varies, but I, you know when it's going badly. You know what I mean? It's like going on an awkward date. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it's all, it feels like dating every time. You're like, you got to, you know, just try and impress someone. And like yeah, show yeah. off about like and talk about who you are and hope they like you and invite you back, but you know there's a lot of that. LA is a weird in. town, though, man. You meet so many weirdos all the time. Yeah, right. But yeah. They, they're all like quite supportive in that industry, aren't they? Like, oh man, you're gonna make it. <laughs> yeah, I think that that, cult, that culture exists, but I don't know. It can be pretty cutthroat too. You know, people yeah. are pretty competitive. Mm. So that. On the um on the public humiliation stuff, yeah, has anyone ever done the magic like magic on the side of the street like GB Jess Grace Reese? Have you guys done <laughs> oh. any magic before in front of people? Oh no way, no. Only I, I used to do magic just around the house uh, with dad and stuff, but no, I never did the busking thing. I never did it busking. It was part of a job though. <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean? <laughs> Part of the job description. So, yeah. so when I worked, when I worked at Maya, like what the year after high school finished, I think Maya, Maya, as in like shopping centre okay. Maya. Yeah, the uh-huh. yeah, your department store. Um, around Christmas time, one of their major products that they were pushing was these magic sets. So there was like two of us that got trained up in to do like all the all the mag- magical tricks. Um, and then we just had to perform them for shoppers like for three hours at a time. <laughs> and it was so embarrassing because my friends would come and I was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> like, do us oh. a trick, Grace. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, like, I kind of have to because. <laughs> I used to have to yeah. dress up as um, uh, like Sonic the Hedgehog at gaming expos. And um, also <sighs> yeah, like yeah. I did Santa Claus for a while. I worked for like a promotion <laughs> company and it was like at Meyer and stuff as mm. well. And I remember seeing 
my actual boss and I was in, you know, I go into a storeroom and inflate this fucking costume and put on like a beard and the hat and everything. And thankfully no one could recognize me, but it was utterly humiliating. Mm. And oh, the company yeah. never paid me. Oh. <laughs> they also didn't wash the costume. So you get into oh, the Sonic oh, and some other, cause we were all the gymnasts would do it. Like after your, you know, your gymnastics career has concluded at the age of 20 or whatever you know you you like go and do these jobs and then you put on these suits and they used to have like they'd be full of sweat from like the day before it was so filthy it's disgusting. and like nerds oh, yeah. just punch you in the back of the head and stuff like, <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> well speaking oh, of unique jobs and crazy things in uh, la you did mention this story uh last time you're on the show race and like you said just before it's kind of come full circle and the Uber driver you were talking about uh, might have been onto something. i got a great B story, actually. Really? I'm in an Uber pool, right? He's like, you know, I, uh, I died. And I was like, pardon? <laughs> he goes, I was clinically dead. Cancer. And I cured it. And I was like, how? And he's like, bee stings. And he goes, open the glove box. Oh, no. <laughs> that is the scariest to God. thing I'm putting to this in a script. Guy. I open it. There was a fucking clear box full of bees oh, oh. live bees and he goes you know i'm looking for a sting buddy oh. <laughs> and i was like anyway here's fine reese mitchell sent this to us bee venom rapidly killing cancerous cells breast cancer cells and he was part like i actually haven't written back to his last message going like, man that's great he's like post about it <laughs> <laughs> that is insane wow crazy right? wa Right. Really? <laughs> yeah, Harry Perkins. Wow. Which is, is a, a research center in oh. WA. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Really? Yeah. There's actually Crazy. a Netflix doco about it on uh, on at the moment. It's called mm. um Unwell. Like one of the episodes, the last episode is about all about this. It's crazy. It turns out that that person was right. And oh, right, that there right. was some truth in what they were saying. But they also said that, you know, this was an alien simulation. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe <laughs> That's what we'll find out next. (laughs) Maybe that's what the age will post next. Because it's it's just, it's pretty shocking to think of how important bees really are for us. And more and more, you know, if something I would really enforce if I had any influence is like every spare rooftop, you have to have like a rooftop garden with a beehive. That would be like- Joshua, one of them. Yeah, they're great. Yeah. For sure. Like this is- so my, my dad's birthday is coming up and we've always wanted to get a beehive for the backyard. And so for his birthday, we're getting a beehive. Great. And so it's like, we're, it's, it's a rental thing. And so you pay like 400 bucks a year and they come every few weeks or, or whatever. And they, you know, maintain the hive and check if there's any diseases and stuff. But I'm, I'm fired up for it. Well, you can, you know, you can install a sort of a tap on the back um, and, hun- like a, and honey, honey will come out. Yeah. There's like a flow. I think it's, that that specific one's like Flow Hive. I think the brand is. It's like a specific like mm. beehive thing. Yeah. But um, like we get like ten kg of honey as well. Well, even honey, like local honey, can really help with um, hay fever. You know, because it has the oh, pollen yes. in it. The bees are unbelievable. That. We'd be fucking dead without them. Mm. Have mm-hmm. no food. I mean, now they're curing people potentially a little bit. They apparently it's they're crazy. quite good for pain and inflammation, but they have to die. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that's wow. a sad bit. Slightly annoying. How would he have even, like, how would you have been the sting buddy? Do you actually just hold the I think I would have gone to his house or sat in his Uber (laughs) in a car park (laughs) and just, like, run bees down his spine and he would have done the same to me. (laughs) How many many is he doing? I think a lot. I mean, his tub was fucking packed with bees. It was like a box, like a lunchbox full of bees. It is sad. It's cruel. That was just picking them up with his finger and then just... Putting it on his back. Yeah, like he obviously knows how, how to handle. Do you even pick up a bee? Like, yeah, how, does, <laughs> how do you do that? <laughs> also, um, I'm, oh, that's so sad because you'd have to like twist them around. Mm. Like you'd pick them up, twist them around, and then like, Use how the, do you even shove it into yeah. something? It's no just, clue. I'm sure he was going to teach ugh. me all of it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> if that hadn't happened to me, I would have been like, "Can you please pull the car over right now?" <laughs> I was a bit that vibe. I was like. Um, I was happy it was a pool at that point. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, but I told, um, I think I mentioned on the show, I gave him five stars because <laughs> I probably shouldn't have because I'm like, mm, what if someone with a bee allergy gets in? But like, um, I did think about that later, but 
the bees were very much enclosed. They were in the glove box, <laughs> in a box that was like. But did locked they have shut. breathing space? Like, yeah, there was holes in it. Holes. Yeah. Also, I'm. I wonder That's if like the, the the venom is to do with when they pollinate, like rather than just being stuck in the box. So there might not be actual, might be, not be useful, ah. or might not actually cure. Yeah, anything I, if they can't pollinate and everything. That's true. I don't know. Also, also five stars as well because if another <laughs> cancer patient gets in. Hello. Uh, yeah, true. I go. just thought like people need to have experiences like this. Just mm. going back to what I was saying, I'm like, this is a really eccentric experience which will change the, maybe change the course of your life, this interaction. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. I, 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 love those, I love those kind of people. I think they're such gifts when you mm. run into someone like that that will completely like wobble your worldview and just it's an experience that you will you won't you'll very rarely have so where are you going to put the bees anyway mace are you just in the backyard in the backyard yeah we've got like a little pool section so i think i think we'll just start with one hive Mm -hmm. because i'm pretty sure there are a lot of bees in one hive yeah is it a box that you kind of lift up it's It's like one of yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so so it's like a i have no idea how big how big the box is maybe like two two to three foot long maybe Mm mm-hmm and then it's like, yeah, it's like a whatever square. And then I don't know what the deal is or what they do in there, but you, know, you should get one of the office. Down. Hopefully, make Somewhere. honey. <laughs> yeah, make honey. <laughs> yeah. You hope. hope. So, yeah. But what I don't know, like structurally, like what are they? If it's just a like, um, there right? must be something in the box. Mm. Like grills I think you're right. Great. Yeah, there are like grills. For when I volunteered at something a few years ago, we went and visited like a um this like hive in Perth and she showed, she showed us all, yeah, picked it up and showed us all the bees and the, the hives and everything and quite interesting. Yeah, it's, they're, it's fascinating. they're brilliant creatures. Mm. They're such hard workers too. I know. <laughs> Rely on them so be, much. How good would it be to be the queen? Oh, what oh, a yeah. life. Oh, just my God. Queen you just get fed all day long. Everyone's obsessed with you. Yeah. You just. They're big. Hey, they're like they're actually huge. a massive. Super big strong. Dogs. You know, so, control of everyone. Yeah. So, do what, they just, so what makes it a queen? How, how, yeah. Is it just born that way? Like, how does it? How does a normal bee turn into a queen? Oh, I mean, you're born into it, like the like the royal, <laughs> right? the royal family. <laughs> bee royal family. I don't know. Queen Elizabeth. Yeah. <laughs> they have little. And do they just do they just sit in the middle of the hive and everyone just gives them food, brings them I, food and stuff? You know, I really I don't know enough about bees. Look it up. I wish we could get okay. the driver on the okay. show. I've got it. So a bee becomes a queen bee thanks to the efforts of the existing worker bees in the hive. A young larva, okay, a newly hatched baby insect, is fed special food called royal jelly by the worker bees, and royal jelly is richer than the food given to the worker larvae and is necessary for the larva to develop into a fertile queen bee. So there's peasant food and then there's queen food. Yeah. <laughs> you are right. Yeah. It, is, it is like the royals. It really it is. is. Wow. Well, we're, we're just a part of nature too, right? Mm. You know? Also, the queen bee stays fertile for her entire life. Solid. Wow. But you saw the bees. I mean, is that why it's so uh. fat? Because it's pregnant all the time? Um. <laughs> pop, pop that into Google. <laughs> <laughs> why are queen bees fat? <laughs> Is it because um, okay. they're pregnant all the time? <laughs> oh, my God. So, okay, hang on. So, sometimes the queen bee goes missing from the hive under these circumstances or when the queen bee dies, the worker bees need to find a new queen. Um, oh. So, if she dies, um, sorry, if she's still alive, the worker bees may kill her or they may let her live alongside the new queen bee until she dies naturally. Oh. What, what makes the oh. – I wonder how they decide. Will they get together and talk about <laughs> it? <laughs> they're like, really to the gallows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fascinating creatures. I think they uh, – I, I think I'm becoming very interested in bees. Yeah, I am too now. I, get a beehive. They're pretty mm. amazing animals. Hang on, so is the queen bee the only one popping out kids? <laughs> yeah. Is that right? I don't know, actually. It's is, that's actually interesting. Because that, that's it? just this is, surely that's incestual then. There's just too many brothers and sisters flying about. That's actually a good point. Like I wonder what happens with the DNA. But it's, it says here <laughs> a queen can lay up to 2,000 eggs a day, which is one egg every 43 seconds. Wow. Holy shit. Maybe they each are the only one then. is one, one to 1. 1.5 millimetres long. And does each egg become a bee? And are they all male? Because right. fuck that sausage fest. Are we all, are we all Googling bees right now? Because I'm, I'm Googling not. bees. 
One of my professors at uni, she studied bees and honey and all that and looking at the bacterial um, signals between honey and and how bees help with stuff like that, which is quite interesting. That's crazy. I know. What what about like manuka bees? Like a manuka queen bee must be worth so much cash. But isn't manuka (laughs) just the flower or just the plant? Bee tries it. Bee trading. <laughs> bee coin. We should get into bee coin. They only live 152 days, a honeybee. And by the way, oh. it shows you how little I know about them. I accidentally said bees are an animal. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just. That's nice. you know. oh, well, but the, the queens, the queens live between two and four years. Oh. Okay. Maybe they are the only ones popping out kids and then the new queen comes along and takes over. You know, I feel like we well, need to all watch a Bee guy. Movie. We should watch Bee yeah. Movie oh, together. With Jerry Seinfeld. That yeah. Um, <laughs> that's great. Zachary Wayne from Auntie Donna. You know, you know, are you friends with the Auntie Donna boys, Reese? Well, actually, funny story. Broden has dated my cousin for many, many years. So Broden's like family. Oh, amazing. Yeah, I'm really that's close with the, with the Auntie Donna guys. They're great. That's so good. I They're love so funny. Guys. They're so funny. That's so good. But anyway, I was going to say that... Uh, Zach is doing a live reading of the B-movie script <laughs> on Instagram. <Really? laughs> so we could all tune in. Um, we've been doing a bit of screenplay writing ourselves. Josh has been obsessed with getting index cards and we're doing masterclass and that sort of thing. So maybe we could learn a thing or two from you uh, as a professional screenwriter. Oh, yeah, for and sure. <laughs> I can do my best to try to help. <laughs> Basically, we brought in this segment called Screenplay Sundays where every Sunday we'll run through a script and we'll give each other feedback and stuff. So um, so here's a few highlights from that. On Sundays, it can be Screenwriting Sundays or Screenplay oh, Sundays. I love this. This is great. Yeah. Um, we run through a scene <laughs> that one of us has written. Now that I've got the index cards, I've got sort of everything that I need. So the main thing with screenwriting is you need a clear intention and an obstacle. The first time mm. you mention a character's name... They should be in all capital letters. We see a young man, Tommy, nervously pacing around on the bottom floor near the lifts. If you're reading this, it means I'm dead. Yeah, just a litre of that, thanks. I'll be there in five. Ah! He slams on the brakes and does a U-turn. 7.44. Sorry, mate, I can't serve you without a masked champ. Sevs, this is an improv... Read the script. You were umming and ahhing. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Like, I reckon there were more words that you put into the script than you actually read. Not on. It's what great actors do. Not on. <laughs> Can we confirm or deny that? At a, at a table read, do you improv a little bit or are you reading word for word? At a table read, no way. But um, I, there are times in auditions that you oh. will, you will <laughs> improv a little bit, you know. And but sometimes it can be a real error. They, if you, if that, it could really, you know, ruin the the sort of cadence and the rhythm of the of the scene or the script. And if they're really particular, they might not like it. Mm. But I've had experiences where. Um, I auditioned for like a Judd Apatow film that hasn't come out yet. And um, I, in my audition, the casting director who is so good, um, she just started improvising and I didn't know that that was coming, but it's obviously the style in which they cast. And they, so we just started improving the rest of the scene. And then um, I couldn't do it because I was in LA and not New York anyway. But it was just a tiny little thing. But, um, yeah, it was really fun. So I just, like, suddenly it was an imp- it was improv and we are going off the book. But generally you don't unless – or you can ask. You could do, like, one take on the book um, word for word and then you could be like, could I try another one and play with it a bit or whatever. But it's always polite, I think, to ask because if the writer's in the room too, they might be offended. They might find yeah, it like, you know, you don't know. You could, script, yeah. yeah, and if someone's super precious as well. Mm. <laughs> it really depends. I feel like with comedies, generally, you have more room for that. Mm. Unless it's really tightly written, you know, and it, like it's all like punchy and, and like there's lots of beats and people go off each other. Like, I can't, yeah, I don't know. It's, I think it's script by script. But in a table read, no, I, I, I don't know of that happening. <laughs> because you've got to hear the script. You've got to hear how it sounds. You've got to like sure. hear, like imagine the world. It's the first time it ever is like 
read out by and, yeah. and brought to life by different voices and actors and stuff. Mm. Table reads are so great. Are you, are you putting in like a hundred percent in a table read, or are you kind of di- I mean, dialing not, it back not, a little bit? Yeah, you're not putting in a hundred percent, but you're definitely um, creating the feel of the world. Yeah, because like the producers and stuff, and the director and everyone will be there, and the, yeah, they'll hear it for the first time, and they can use it to rewrite. A lot of the time, you'll table read, and then they'll rewrite off that. They make me more nervous than going on to set, though. Really? Yeah, because it's the first time you meet everyone, and sure. it's like know. reading in front of the class. Mm-hmm. I find right. table reads really scary and intimidating. Well, I just want to know why you did it. Like, what were you were you thinking about it, or were you just? No, nah, well, it's just, <laughs> just like, feeling it. Just sort of making it a bit like he's just what, a great actor. Yeah, I'm a great actor. Yeah. It's like I, I need to personalise this a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was. It, it wasn't like I was adding, you know, whole sentences. It was just adding like an um and an ah here and there, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But it wasn't. I got in trouble know, just, for that once in an audition. Real, uh, so did For I. For umming and ahhing. Yeah, so did you. <laughs> <laughs> How do you stop really? that? I think I have a problem with that. Um and ahs? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> How the shit do you remember lines? Like, I couldn't imagine getting a big document of um, words and remembering it. I know. It's um, it's just, it's, it's really, it can be really hard. It can be really hard. It's just something you have to practice over and over and find ways. There's apps that can help. There's just like... Marlon Brando used to stick them all around the room and put them on the back of his coffee cup and stuff. So you'd do really? a scene and you'd be reading the coffee cup or... Are you like flashcarding it? Like if you yeah. got a bunch of index Some, cards? Sometimes just- I do what I call teleprompter and I'll have um, my the person that I'm reading with scrolling on the computer behind the camera. Sure. Sometimes if it's a lot and it's like specific and I have to get it all correct and they'll scroll and read... And I'll use the computer as my eyeline instead of the person and then just read. And sometimes it gives a really authentic audition because you're kind of saying it for the first time like you would if it was real life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Reese, I've actually written a screenplay. Great. Uh, so I thought in spirit of Screenplay Sundays, it's in the Zoom chat. So if you guys open it up in Zoom, there's a little, a little PDF. What I'm, which part of my – oh, there's my right. name. <laughs> well, so, yeah, I mean, so Reese, you just, can yeah go on. Just quickly, I was going to say first piece of feedback, Reese. What mm-hmm. do we think of the formatting of the script? Um, so far seems okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. I'm yeah. Right. So this is fade in. It's a. Uh, it's free. You can still use it free, or if you want to pay for the full version, um, you get free updates, which is oh, great. okay. There you go. Whereas with Final Draft, you think you have to pay for updates, right? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. So, Reese, you can call the action. Do you mean uh, read the? Do you want me to read the big print? Yep. Read the big print, and okay. and everyone else is just their characters. Okay. The Wedding Magician, written by George Martin. Copyright. Hump Day Replay. Interior lounge room morning. We see a young man, Reese. <laughs> Sitting at his round dining table shuffling cards. His housemate, GB, enters with a cup of tea. White with two? How are you feeling? Today's the day. I think if I start with my red black trick, that will set the tone. I should be a shoe in. Great idea. So what time are you meeting them? It's actually just over Zoom, which is awesome. The bridges the bride is called Grace and the groom is Mason. Apparently they've auditioned 10 magicians before me, so pressure's on. You'll be right. Just just breathe. Thanks, mate. You're the best housemate and I appreciate you. I'm just going to join the Zoom now. Reese puts his tea to the side and opens up the computer. Grace and Mason are waiting on the Zoom. Hey, Reese. Lovely to meet you. <laughs> Likewise. Thanks so much for the opportunity. And welcome to Reese's Pieces of Magic. (laughs) So if you just want to give us your first trick, we're ready when you are. Good luck, mate. Reese puts on his top hat and grabs his cards. He begins shuffling them. We can see his hand shaking with nerves. GB is out of shot, giving him thumbs up. Reese drops the cards and they spray all over the floor. Sorry, uh, one sec. Look, I think we've seen enough here. (laughs) Give him a chance. Reese 
fumbly picks up the cards when he notices a message written on the four of hearts. It's from a rival magician called Jess. We hear Jess's voice as he reads the note. Keep this handy. You'll need it. As he sits back at the table, the Zoom call has ended. GB is nowhere to be seen. And it seems he has entered another realm. <laughs> Reese stares at the four of hearts. What the hell? He looks down and sees he is and sees he is now wearing a tuxedo. He turns his head and walks towards a strange black curtain and peeks around the corner. He's backstage at a, ma- at, at a magic show. Jess is performing on stage to much applause and laughter. The bride and groom are front and centre. And which card do you have? It's the four of hearts. Jess turns and points at Reese, who is half on stage. Who is half on stage. He shows the crowd the four of hearts he's holding and they go wild. The card then turns into a beehive and he gets attacked by bees and dies. Sorry, buddy, but there's no place for the two of us in this industry. End scene. Wow. Okay. So... It's, it's a horror. Oh, it's a horror. <laughs> it's not. It's not bad. It's very much like it wraps up very quickly. Well, that's the thing. That's, that was going to be my feedback to myself as well. Because I, so I started writing this, and I was like, I mean, when you're writing, do you have the whole story in mind when you start writing, or are you just yeah, you you would you like kind of I as you go. I no, I generally would <laughs> would outline it first, and I'd write out yep. all the all the all the acts and the scenes within them, and mm-hmm. then you know I'd write it out as like a paragraph with ideas of what the dialogue might be and stuff like that. And you would know your story and what you know the the arcs of the story and where it's where it, you know the structure of okay. it, and then you would start to script it up after you've yep. written the outline. Would would mm. be my general approach. <laughs> Fair enough. Like, yeah. what did you do? <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I just started writing, and I just you know see what happens. Oh, well, that's fine too. Who cares? I mean, and that's then when the fine when I got into the ne- another realm part, I just confused myself, and I was going to go <laughs> maybe like I wanted somehow to it to be a go back in time type thing, and Jess had done the trick, and I don't know. So then I just like how am I going to? Well, end this? I wouldn't give up on it. I mean, it's like a first draft. Just keep working on it. I just yeah. think it's very it's very much like and it was all a dream at this point. Yeah. You read word exactly. up. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, I think yeah, like should have turned into a Jay Z film clip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I would I would look at look at um yeah, just open it up again and maybe outline it a bit more. It could be it could yeah. be good. The beehive is like very kind of left of center. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But maybe that's fine. I would track yeah, I would track that early though. I would plant what does that, that mean? somehow. Well, like suddenly bees, he's a bee or whatever. Yeah, sure. That just seems um, so odd. You, and could be having your, you could be having your cup of tea in the backyard on the balcony and there are plants with mm. bees flying yeah. around them. That's what I mean by tracking the bees. Like just plant that idea and then maybe try to That's explain great. it somehow. I like that. What other tips? <laughs> 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 like what's your, what's your creative process when you're writing? Is, it, is that a dumb question? Is there is no, that one? I don't think. I mean, everybody is different, and I don't think there are any real rules. Um, mm-hmm. I but yeah, like for me, I would. I I generally just like write. So like that Uber story, right? I'd write that out, and then I'd think about mm-hmm. how could I turn that into a film that actually has like a three act structure or has some sort of theme or message or whatever, and then I might. Mm-hmm. It might not as a standalone. It might not just be a piece within something else. And then I would just, yeah, I would just try to take all these these different ideas I have. Like when I was writing my pilot, we had so we had a doc, a, uh, a document for like sixty pages of ideas. Jeez. Just yeah, for like wow. the series, and then we would look at our our favorite ideas. But then we'd also have to think about the thing, the themes of the episode that are gonna you know, reflect throughout the show, the, the origin story of how these people meet each other. So it all, it all depends on what, what it is. Like if you're writing a short film, it might just be like, what's a message you want to convey or, or, or an interesting story you heard, but then how can you structure it? So it's actually makes an interesting film that an audience is going to like as well. And then you start to, yeah, outline the, the, the acts. And then I would script it up. 
Wow. So are you are you then some way like detached from what it's going to become because you, it, it might actually be like you might go into it thinking oh this could be like a film or you know a pilot episode for a TV show but it's actually then becomes one little bit within something that's larger. Yeah, it could for sure. I mean it depends on like f- when I wrote my pilot I knew that it had to be within that structure. So I knew I was writing a pilot and knew I wanted to write a TV series. And then that's what we were commissioned to do. So that had like the boundaries. I actually like those creative restrictions because I sometimes find mm. them more creative when I have um, rules. Totally. Something to go off, I guess. Yeah. And also Rather like... being given anything. Yeah, yeah, if it's too yeah. vast, I think you mm. don't... It's it's um, can be confronting. I sometimes like the idea of like it can only be thirty minutes or it can be five minutes. Sure. Like I personally like those restrictions. I well, think it's like I've heard people compare it to the edge of the canvas. You know, if you've got a a time ref- restraint, yeah, or or you've got a certain amount of time to do something as well. Like yeah, if you give yourself unlimited time to create something, you're going to take all the time in the world and yeah. probably never finish it. Yeah. Um, so I, don't, you, I, I don't know. I think there's like everybody's approach is so different and there's so many different types of storytellers and filmmakers and TV writers and wh- whatever puts you in a space where you can be your, you can write your most original and creative ideas is, is the, the approach you should take. I don't think like, yeah, like I watched that David Lynch masterclass and he's so, he doesn't even like, understand writer's block you know like he's just like he just follows his he like meditates on ideas and then writes his films based on images he's seen that he might not necessarily understand and he's like his stories show themselves to him as he writes sort of thing or as he meditates so that's pretty interesting and then i know people that are really rigid with their writing what what does that mean well they've really um conformed to structure and to the rules of screenwriting to like Mm -hmm. classic screenwriting so, like um, plot point here, yeah, point exactly, here, like that sort of thing, like an archetypal yeah, right. plot or whatever, you know. Is it like a discipline thing? If you if you have writer's block, do you just take the day off, or do you try and go through it? Um, I, I, I don't know. I sometimes think it's good to do stuff like my friend who I work with a lot, Jessica Barclay Lawton, who I've made a bunch of short films with. Um, she allows herself to write for two hours a day. And even if she's on a roll, she'll stop, which is kind of cool. And if she's not getting anything out, she has to just like try for two hours. I think that's pretty cool. Um, I personally would just like move on to a different thing. So if I, what something my girlfriend and I would do when we were trying to write scripts, because she writes as well, we would do 15 minutes of stream of consciousness writing. Ah, yeah. So if we couldn't write anything else, we'd just do stream of consciousness writing and you, you kind of can, can surprise yourself with the things that come out. It could be really simple, like talking about the carpet in the room or whatever it is, but it just gets you into that headspace and like... That's crazy. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm still learning. Like I'm very like, I've only... Te- I studied screenwriting, but I've only really been a technically a professional writer for like a year. Mm-hmm. You know, my pilot was the first thing I wrote for a company for somebody else, but everything else was like short films or just things for myself. So with the pilot, have you got the whole series sort of mapped out, but it's not completely written. And then the first episode you've written a whole script. Is that the vibe? We, we gave examples of other episodes and then like an overall arc of like where the characters would end up and how they help each other and the journey. But no, cause like even the pilot changed so much. And then with notes from the network and stuff, it changes. So yeah, you've got to be right. a bit open because you're also working like for a business or for but a company yeah, sure. that want to make it like a show that people want to watch. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, right. Any interest in writing theatre or anything? Um, I don't think that's really my now? skill personally. I, I, I yeah. really like screen, but yeah. I like reading plays, you know, but it's mm-hmm. not – I like, I like theatre, but I don't think it's like – it's not what I studied and it's not what I really, it's not the world I know, which sometimes yeah. makes me feel like a fraud as an actor. Really? Yeah, for sure. Cause I have friends that have, you know, been on Broadway and stuff in the States and I feel like. In the acting world, are people saying that theater is like the, the, the pinnacle? Is it, is there no, kind of a hierarchy? It depends on the person. I felt like when I went to New York city, it did feel that way. But mm. in LA, it's all about TV and film, you know? Ah, uh, yeah, sure. But it depends on the person. There's like more culture around theater for sure. Like that feels more like highbrow. 
<laughs> to yeah, be right. honest. It feels like a different type of actor, um, which I'm sure you can imagine. Mm-hmm. And then, but I personally love screen. Yeah. What about when you're writing in, have you written in a writer's room with like a bunch of other people before? And Yeah, I there- guess with my pilot I did. I wrote with yeah. two other people. And then if we got the show, we were going to build a writer's room. Okay. Which would be Is so a lot cool. Of like whiteboarding and that sort of thing. Yeah, for How sure. You, we did all of that. Yeah. That'd be fun. Yeah, I'd love to be in a writer's room. Like yeah. it'd be like this, but you, you're just all riffing on like <laughs> <But> with good <laughs> ideas. <laughs> well, I mean, they're not bad ideas. No idea is better than another idea. It's all about how you do it, right? Like it's all yeah. basically recycled. Like the stories we're telling and stuff. It's just a different approach. How long does it take to write a pilot or how long did it take to write your pilot? It took us Oh, man, it took Especially us. Especially if you were saying you like, you have to give like an over yeah you know, the, the story arc and the characters like development and stuff like that's quite a yeah. process. Well, our approach was we shot some scenes, so we wrote little sketches first and like 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 vignettes. We wrote like mm-hmm. ten of them, and then we actually wrote more, and they were just like dialogue, like what what you wrote, George, about that size. I'm serious about that length. Yeah. We wrote 10 of them, but we had a lot of ideas and we picked. So I say we wrote 10, we wrote like maybe 30, 40 scenes wow. like that, mm. that represented the characters. And it was basically odd couple relationship, you know? Um, and then we shot 10 and we edited them and we looked at them like, is there something here? And then like, where could it go? And then we started mapping that out and then we pitched it with um, broad brush strokes of what the pilot might look like, what the series might look like and what other episodes might look like. Um, and the network had seen those shorts. So they understood the dynamic. And then, so overall it was like a year, I'd say. Oh, wow. Maybe Mm -hmm. more doing the shooting and the writing of everything. And we'd been talking about it for like a year and a half. Wow. And then the actual pilot writing was, um, a few months. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so then did the pilot have to change a bit as you were kind of thinking in the future about Yeah, characters? it did. Yeah. It, and it changed with the notes from the network, mm. but then um, we got more notes and then COVID shut production down, yeah. as I mentioned. So then we just like the last set of notes, we, we just left it because it was like, well, it's probably not going ahead mm. right now. Oh. Mm. heartbreaking it is yeah it's it's really it's so annoying because you develop it with a network and then you create a relationship and then if it can't happen you start again basically and another network might have completely different ideas <laughs> so yeah right you know um, it's stressful it was a it was a real come down i gotta say <laughs> it would have been. <laughs> yeah i did a bit of googling of you last night actually just on youtube and i came across a bunch of um old sketches with Paul Foot. Oh, my God. <laughs> What's the guy there? That was hilarious. Oh, so I met Paul through my friend. Do you know, do you guys know Paul? Do you all know Paul? No. Uh, I mean, I've only seen him at the comedy festival. He's like, uh, his first show is directed by Noel Fielding. Um, he has right. that sort of, you know, sur- it's like surreal sort of. Mighty Boosh. Mighty Boosh kind of comedy. Um He's very intelligent. I mean, he studied mathematics yeah. at Oxford. He's like a ge- oh, brilliant wow. mind. And uh, he ended up becoming a comedian um, because he didn't know what else to do is what he said. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, he's a really eccentric, like a real eccentric. Um, and we just used to hang out when he came to Melbourne to do the Comedy Fest. I met him through my friend Miles Munn, who's another comedian. He was like, you got to meet this guy, you know. Like first time he went to his yeah. house, he had this like blue jelly. It was like the only thing in his fridge, like a pre-made jelly. And it's like <laughs> invited him over to like see the jelly. Um, he's like, <laughs> he's like wobbling. He's like, it's so artificial. And like, yeah. he's just like on another planet, but he's just such a sweetie. Yeah. And then, yeah, we just started hanging out and shooting little sketches together because he, yeah. he just loved, you know, just making things up on the spot, improv, just have fun and put them out. Yeah. So, I mean, you can tell. Yeah. You can tell in those videos. They're just fun little videos. They're, and- they're so silly. Like sometimes I'm like, yeah. why did you post that? Like we were just like <laughs> yeah. mucking around on our iPhone and I'm like, why'd you put that on YouTube? YouTube. <laughs> you know? Oh, that, I love it. Yeah. I used to have a lot more sketches on YouTube, but I got rid of all of them. Thank God. 
<laughs> really? Yeah. Right. From yeah, like I when I was 19. When you get a role in a actual paid gig, not like a, a sketch that you're doing for YouTube. Yeah. How does your manager communicate it with you? Is it a phone call? Yeah, or an email. Usually a phone yeah. call, actually. Every time I've booked a job, it was a phone call, um, which is always cool because it? it will say like, I remember the first time I booked a job, I was literally loading a van full of like seafood. I was working at some <laughs> for some restaurant and I'd auditioned for this thing and it was like the United States was calling me and I was like, this has got to be like, you know, some telemarketer or something and it was my manager and I didn't know who it was <laughs> and they're like you got the job you're going to Florida and then like two weeks later I was living in Miami oh, and that's house. when I did that FX series Shark Lords that was so strange because like yeah two two weeks I was meant to be on a plane and have a visa and everything it was crazy oh. and it was inauguration weekend like Trump was just coming in oh. so it was like everything was delayed it like um, for visas and stuff, but it managed to happen and they just had to push my flight by a week. But there was like a window where they were like, maybe he won't be able to do it. And that was really stressful oh. too. But yeah, so you just get a call and then your life can change quite dramatically and you live in another country and that's it. And so you're always like living that's out crazy. of a bag. I mean, at the last two and a half years in LA, I lived out of a bag. I'm still living out mm -hmm. of a bag. Like I don't have a fixed address anymore. You know, There's I lived in really cupboards and everything. about that though, like just, mm. just working, you know, living out of a bag, auditioning. You know what's acting. so funny? My, my, my favorite room that I had in LA was my friend's like walk-in wardrobe that I just like decked out with fairy lights and it was like truly like living in a coffin. It was like my feet would touch the wall when I slept and like um, it was tiny, but it was like this, right. it just, I have this memory of like, I don't know. I felt like I was really, I was really grinding. Like I was like, yeah. I'm, I'm compromising, you know, to, and I'm living in a cupboard and I'm going to work my butt off. So then when you do actually get a job or something, it feels so good. Cause you're like, now I can get a room. <laughs> <laughs> and then my next room, I like lived on, um, I think it was Eagle Mont Boule Eagle Rock Boulevard and it was so loud. It sounded like there were motorbikes in my room. It was like right on the, um, on the highway it was uh, it was horrible um and then like every room slowly got a little bit better and then <laughs> i finally got a fixed address and then had to uh move back because of covid <laughs> it's all right though it just it builds your character right <laughs> well you got a fixed address and this week uh, big developments for a big media company in the daily talk show we got a fixed phone number so people can call big media company and wow. actually talk to uh Josh or Tom <laughs> or, or Jess or Mason. Pretty much everyone except me, actually. Lucky. <laughs> um, <Lacking> and, <laughs> and so that's exciting. So there was a big investment there. And also uh, after that, we'll hear you giving us your rundown on your hierarchy of communication methods. We've, we've invested. It sounds like a silly thing to invest in. A phone number. The, the number is 0399810408. And when you Google our phone number, what you'll find is big media company's phone number used to be Zero's phone number, the accounting software. Because every time someone has a question about how to reconcile something, they call. Do you have a hierarchy within sort of comms? What I love that? an email. Oh, Do yeah. you? Do you yeah. want to be email buddies? Yeah, Seriously? absolutely, genuinely. Email, number one. Uh, then text message and then... Instagram DM. I hate talking on phone calls. Is it? Is it? Yeah, you don't answer message? Message? I don't answer phone calls. They freak me out. I'd love to start an email Otherwise, relationship with you. So let's do that. Literally, you can. <laughs> he never did. <laughs> I, I sent him two emails. Did you? He sent me he one. You up. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I like being pen pals. I like, I don't know. I, I love a letter. I like writing things out, like formulating what I want to say and put it, put it down in writing. Emails are great for me and also I can reflect back on them. You know, I'm such a, I'm going to go a bit woo-woo here, but I'm such mm -hmm. a Capricorn. Like sometimes I'll reread emails I've written that I'm proud of because of how well I feel like I wrote the email and formulated my, <laughs> my, really? my idea. I'm like, wow, that's a great email. I want to relive that. 
<laughs> I relate to that so much. Yeah? Really? You Have do? you done that, Jess? Yeah. I always go back into my send folders and, like, reread emails that I've sent <laughs> during the day. Are they the ones that Josh complains about and you just want to go, hang on? <laughs> yeah, probably. Oh, well, yeah, so that's, that's what um, first came to my mind when you played that because – Josh has an issue with emails and reading emails. He just oh. doesn't do it and he just doesn't right. respond. Yep. Wow. It's a real sticking point with us it's, because uh, – You obviously write, love an email and you're yeah, good at I, it. I, that's, it's, yeah, my job. Well, Jess, um, if you want to email me, you can email me anytime and I would love to okay. – uh, maybe we should start the pen pal relationship. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah, okay. Josh did good. not come through. <laughs> yeah. He says that um, when, when emails are too long that they're dan- the words are dancing on the page. <laughs> I know. It makes no sense. You know what's funny about Josh? I always say this. At first, you don't realize how um, kind of lateral his thinking is and how eccentric he is. You, mm. you know what I mean? He, the more you get to know him, the more kind of peculiar and interesting and funny he is. Yeah, totally. Would agree. Sure. Definitely. <laughs> it's cool. We all agree. He's the gift that keeps on giving, I'd say. Mm. Oh, for sure. Just what do, what do you think about the phone number? And I get, I mean, we've also, we didn't really touch on it in the snippet, but we've also now got little chat boxes on the website. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's actually been obsessing over it, to be honest, because like Grace has got messages from Josh just being like, can you hop on the live chat for me? I want to talk to you. He's like, I just want to test it out. I'm like, okay, just get on there. <laughs> I've also weird. had random DMs with him on the website chat box. And they're like half an hour conversations. Like they're not, they're not short. They're not a test. It's a <laughs> no. full on. Does it come thing. through to his computer or his phone? How does it work? It's a, it's a computer and then the phone will also go to, through the phone and the computer. But yeah. Jess, what do you, what do you think about the phone? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm on board now. It, like with anything, like Asana, uh, Spark, what else have we got that <laughs> we use? Um, it's just introducing it when things, you know, are simple another way. But um, once you get used to it, you uh, it's fine. You, you integrate it into your working life. I haven't actually used it properly yet and no one's called me on it yet, but except for Josh, obviously. Um, but, yeah, the thing that I find funny about it is the recording Oh, or the yeah. the script writing. Oh yeah. So the um the the phone not only grabs a transcript of the conversation, it also records the call so you can play it back. Oh no. Oh really? <laughs> Which it's like a telemarketer thing. To be honest, like there must be some training privacy purposes. thing where you're saying that it needs to be recorded for training purposes, or there probably should be. I think Josh's you you can you can flick it on and off though. <laughs> That's the thing. Um, yeah. yeah. And so he recorded our conversation, and my name came up as Oh my god, Jeff. Oh <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah. Well, um, but go. yeah, I'm on board. It's fine. Like it's just, it's you're still working off your mobile, really. I would rather pick up the phone and get an answer straight away than have to wait for a text message back. Mm. I understand. I, I understand that with call. some things, but I think when I was talking about not loving a phone call, it's more like when people just want to chat. For like quite a while, <laughs> I'm kind of like, you know, this could have been a me- this could have been an email sort of thing, you know. Chuck it in an email. Pop it in an email. Yeah. Just like <laughs> hit the dot points. Like, I don't know. I've got some friends that like they that they call and were just you know are quite verbose and would just talk at me for a long yeah. time and it could just I don't know. Sometimes are you a dot yeah. point guy in yeah, emails. I think so. Like I just want to know what. Yeah, I think so. Long <laughs> emails or short emails. <laughs> Either's good. I like an email. <laughs> just an email right. in general. Yeah, I think I just like to read the thing so I can like reread it and like yeah. I, Tommy's got a real issue with me not answering the phone. It's like been a, <laughs> a part of our relationship, like consistently. <laughs> but I called I called him yesterday, we had a good chat, so um to finish up, that could be quite a good segue. You are, you know, Tommy's oldest and, and best friend. So I've just cut together a few little moments of when you were mentioned. Just so you can feel good about yourself, That's I guess. Nice. <laughs> Reese Mitchell. Reese Mitchell. Reese Mitchell. Reese Mitchell. Ladies and gentlemen, Reese Mitchell from Uber. He's excited because he's got his mate in the building. Tommy and Reese, best mates since they were five years old. For me, your household as a kid growing up was like, it could have almost had its own TV show. The, what was growing up with Tommy like? Just quickly while Reese does that, I'm getting beers. 
Oh, Jesus, he needs a drink for me to open up about our history together. I was given this T-shirt for my 18th birthday from Reese Mitchell. Oh, my God, it's Tommy Jacket. Oh, my God. Is that Tommy Jacket? I mean, Reese Mitchell is probably the sure. only one that is a solid friend. Yeah. Me and him did um, gymnastics together, but he did drama. My homie, yeah. my best mate, who I haven't seen in ages because he lives in L.A. now. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to see him. The last drive-in cinema I went to was with Reese Mitchell and his and his dad. One of my favourite name drops is, you know, Con the Fruiterer? Yeah, I'm best mates with his son. I mean, his dad was Con the Fruiterer. Uh, my my the best mate, yeah, Con the Fruiterer. Well, my dad is Mark Mitchell. He's not Con the Fruiterer. Yes. Uh, <laughs> can you remember when I got punched in the, from the side? Were you at that party? Yeah, I was there. <laughs> there you go. Sticking by him even when he gets his nose broken. Oh, man. <laughs> Far out. That's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I love Tommy. I am, you know, till uh, death do us part. That's nice. Yeah, no, we do love Tommy. He's great. Totally He's a Tommy. very loyal friend. He's one of the most encouraging, supportive friends we've ever had and consistent. And we've been through a lot together. So, you know, he's, he's yeah, he's a lifer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's nice. That's cute. Yeah. Thanks so much for coming on, Reese. That was lots of fun. Thanks for the feedback for the script. Mm. And um, I don't know, next time when we can hang out together, it'd be fun to film some stuff and actually write yeah. some sketches. Yeah, why don't we do a thing where you write a first draft and even if you're unsure about it, we make it. Oh, I love that. That'd be funny because even if they're re- even if the scripts need a lot of work, I think it'll be funny. I think that'll be like interesting. I'd just love to film. I'd love to film a sketch with you. I think it'd be be heaps fun. Oh well, well, that's something to look forward to. You got to have hope, (laughs) hope in the darkness (laughs) while this stuff is around, and hope we got to just keep staying creative and optimistic and doing stuff like this. Exactly it. Thanks for having me so much. Thanks for having me so much. (laughs) (laughs) Catch you later, guys. Bye. 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 Bye.